Welcome to Dance Uncorked Podcast. I am your host. This is Lindsay Jean. Thank you for joining me on my debut episode. This is episode number one, and I have a very special guest with me today. Um, her name is Sophia Burke, and I'm still getting to I'm still getting used to her last name. Um, me too. <laughs> because she was just recently married. Um, so my before October, she's always been Sophia Anthony to me. So, so to some of you, she still is Sophia Anthony, but now she is Mrs. Burke. So congratulations again. Thank you and so much. I think that calls for a cheers right away. With our, Already. With our Merlot. Cheers. Cheers. Ding. <laughs> we have got a great episode for you today. So before I dive in to Sophia and some of the questions that we have for her today, um, I would like to talk about the wine we're drinking um, because this is called Dance Uncorked. So let's talk about Merlot. We have um, a Merlot today. Um, Sophia, first of all, Sophia is in New York City right now and I am in Oregon. Um, however, we were able to find the same wine um, in our local grocery store. So um, we are drinking uh, Bogle Vineyards out of Clarksburg, California. That's where the vineyard resides um, and that's where they farm. And it's a Merlot. So that we are drinking a California Merlot. Um, it is bold, it is big, it is beautiful, just like the state of California. So um, we. what's interesting though is that Sophia sent me a picture of her vintage and she's got the 2017 and I've got the 2018. So we've got the same varietal, but a different vintage. So vintage is also for those of you that don't know, vintage is the year of the wine that it was harvested. Um, so we've got two different years, but the same varietal, the Merlot grape. So some of the things I did some research, um, oh. the, uh, Merlot from Bogle, um, something cool about Vogel is Bogle, excuse me, is that they've, they're a six generation family run vineyard. Um, so it's pa been passed down now for six generations, but the whole family in and of itself, and probably a lot of employees that work there have been in the wine industry for over 50 years. Um, so this is a very well-established uh, winery and vineyard. Um, you can find a lot of their products in local grocery stores. And, um, you know, we'll give you our review of the Merlots today. And what I really like about their website, if you check them out, they have a lot of family recipes on their website. So you and I have been talking about cooking lately, mm -hmm, trying mm -hmm. to cook more. Um, and we, they have like a whole list of recipes. And what's really cool is that they tell you which of their wines to pair with those meals. Um, so they kind of do the work for you, which is really nice. Um, another really cool thing about Bogle, yeah, Bogle, is uh, they have a female winemaker, which is pretty Ooh. rare in a very male dominated industry. Um, especially the winemakers themselves. Um, you'll see a lot of females, you know, on the back end doing the business or in the front front of the house doing tasting room stuff. Um, but you, it's very rare to see a female winemaker kind of running the show. So hats off to Dana Stemler. Oh, Dana. Yeah. So props, Dana. <laughs> Uh, women power here. Um, what I like about this is that it's affordable. I mean, I think my bottle was about 10 bucks. Sophia was yours around yeah, 8.99. Yeah. 
Yep. <laughs> she was on sale. It's, a, it's Yes, it's affordable. It's accessible. So um, this is a really uh, great table wine, I think, for people. Um, so let's go ahead and taste ours and see what kind of notes you're, you're getting. I can, I can no. also... Yeah, some tasting notes and just kind of like how does our wine taste and, and it should taste just a slight difference uh, depending on the year and the weather in that area that's going to change everything about the wine. So cheers to being cheers here. Cheers again. Being here. Welcome to Dance Uncorked. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Now I can give and take dance notes, but to give wine notes, this will be new for me. Okay. So, let me help. Let me guide. Let me do this. So hey. I'm getting from my 18 right off the bat. It's very big. Um, it's it's bold. It's got like a strength to it. Mm -hmm. It's really Same. really robust. I like to use the word robust for really big reds, um, and I really enjoy that. And it almost has a sweetness to it as well. Mine's pretty sweet which is weird for me because a lot of Merlots in Oregon have a dryness to them. And I, I get that here too, but it's kind of, it finishes with a sweetness to it that I, I'm not used to. Um, like that. I don't know. Some of the other notes that they, that they list on their website for this particular varietal is Bing cherries. Do you get any cherry vibes? Ooh, I get cherry vibes. I could see that. Okay. Sassafras. Ooh. Okay, then. <laughs> That's okay up for debate up for debate okay um hints of pipe tobacco which i don't know i, don't I get know. that in mind like i get this like kind of like edgy gritty tobacco-y kind of leather too you can get like leather and tobacco kind of go the same way as far as taste and palate okay, okay. um i definitely get vanilla Oh, I get vanilla. And baking spices. Like I get all the baking vibes with like, well, this would be amazing with cookies. The 18. And I, well, the reason why I got this originally too, obviously for this, but um, I made a triple pie the other night and it called for either bone broth, which I didn't have mm -hmm. or red wine, Merlot. And this tasted so good in it. So it really is good for cooking too. Yes. That would be amazing in something like really hearty, like a shepherd's pie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm, and that was good. So I, you know, I think this is a great Merlot. Um, if you're not looking for, some, if you're looking for something a little bit more dry, maybe this isn't the way to go, but if yeah, I would say probably not like something more, more robust, something to go with a shepherd's pie or cookie, mm -hmm. like something mm -hmm. that you really like mm, in there. Mm. Uh, that's a, this is a great affordable and accessible wine. So thank you, Bogle, for your Merlot. Thank you, Bogle. <laughs> Do you I'm gonna need to refill? As a, you know, right. As a 17, do you find any difference? Like, did I leave anything out? Because yours is a little bit, maybe a little bit different. Maybe it's not. I feel like a hint of mist, uh, like misty, minty, like very light mint. Maybe that goes with the spices though. Okay. I don't know. Awesome. Um, it is very sweet. Still yeah. very, I like that word robust. We'll use that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to need to refill. I'm already almost out. Okay. Well, go, you refill and I'm going to introduce you. Okay. Yeah. All right, girl, I'm going to refill. You do your thing. Uh, so I have Sophia here with me today, and um, she's one of the most wonderful people that I know. Um, 
not just as a professional um, dance artist, but also as a human being. So I'm really excited to have you here. And thank you for being my first guest on my first episode. This is amazing. Honored. This um, is great. <laughs> so for us, Sophia is a native Floridian. She grew up and born and raised in Florida, same as me. Um, and uh, she grew up at her parents' dance studio, uh, Spotlight Dance Center in Orlando. Shout out. What up, Spotlight? Um, I used to teach there for, for about a decade. So I have a special place in my heart for Spotlight Dance Center um, and her parents and her. <laughs> With um, both of her parents in the inter entertainment industry, it was kind of always a joke that Sophia had no choice. Like she is going to be an entertainer. She is going to be a dancer. This was just non-negotiable. It was inevitable. It was just gonna happen. Um, so she took on her first gig, professional gig, got paid. Like that's how you determine if it's a professional gig or not in the dance world is if you got paid. And she did <laughs> at 17 years old. She was only 17. Um, and she actually booked Dino's Christmas Extravaganza. So um, I really love your bio because there's a lot of a lot of your um, starting points were Christmas shows. And they still are. Which can't is get, I can't get away from Christmas. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? And I snuck into that audition, I remember. They didn't know my age until like during the 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 gig and then I, I was like oh I'm already hired though right. <laughs> it was great <laughs> nice so you're a rebel awesome uh and then right out of high school so you graduated then you um ended up getting a job with F fmx touring show nuclear cowboys um and that's it that was a really cool show I actually saw you in one of those and it's a motocross show so you were a dancer <laughs> in the middle of this massive arena with these motocross bikes, like this zooming and probably other vehicles too. It was, I remember it was really loud in there. Like you had to dance in some really loud atmosphere. Very dangerous, very loud. They were all X game riders. So that was really cool to like see them do their thing as I was like trying not to die and do a dance combo on a ramp. And like, it was good. look, like keep your costume right. And like do yeah. choreography correctly. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. I'm glad I did it when I was younger. I don't think now I would <laughs> yeah. be the same at it. It was really cool. It was a very unique job, I would say, um, that I got to witness you do. Um, and then right after that, you uh, got to perform as Candice um, in Phineas and Ferb in Mexico City. So you actually travel, you're, you've worked internationally at this point. Um, and while you were doing all of this, um, you were still auditioning for Disney. So something really cool about Sophia and, and I and like Spotlight, it's in Orlando, Florida. Um, and that Disney is our backyard. So we have a lot of access to Disney in ways that other people don't. Um, but in entertainment, it's a really big, like I would say it's a very popular goal to want to work at Disney in the Orlando area if you are an entertainer of any kind. Um, just because they house so many employees and there's so many different units. There's so many different like doors into the company uh, that a lot of people want to work there. So um, while you were doing all these other things, like, you know, touring internationally and doing things with dance at such a young age, you were still auditioning with Disney. And then eight auditions later for Disney. Eight. <laughs> maybe nine I can't keep track but it was eight or nine right which it actually is pretty common right like you, yeah oh very common it's um you know it's very very rare for somebody to get the job on the first audition you are like uh, you know 
it's, it's a miracle if you do, um, just because you, it's one of those relentless things where you have to keep auditioning, audition, audition, and go and go to the cattle calls and stand in line and audition with 400 other people. Um, so it took you eight or more of those. We lost count, (laughs) Um, but you finally got your equity card, um, from being hired to perform in shows like totally Tomorrowland Christmas, another Christmas show. And uh, <laughs> uh, live on stage, uh, Beauty and the Beast live on, live on stage, which is one of my favorite shows um, as a child growing up. I used to watch the live show um, at, you know, that at that time is called MGM Studios. Um, and I, as a child, I was probably watching your parents on stage because they Correct. were in that show, um, which is super like crazy to think about. Um, but so you followed the footsteps of your parents and um, you ended up booking that same show and you gained your equity card. Um, so for those of you that don't know, Sophia, can you go over quickly like what an equity card is and like, what is what does that mean to a dancer, like a working dancer? Yes. So, and of course, like all of this is in normal worlds where there isn't COVID and pandemics involved, but in a normal world experience, equity card is very important for those who are interested in um, furthering their, their dance career, as far as Broadway goes, um, any shows that are on that professional level that require a union. So this was this union equity union. Um, is where all of the Broadway shows audition and how they can pull their talent, um, where they can pull their talent from. And it's a catch-22 because you can't audition for these shows without having your equity card. Mm -hmm. But you can't have, you can't get your equity card without doing an equity show. See? So, you know, know, it's like, what do you want me to do here? So a lot of these performers will do want to end up working at Disney because the equity card is the main, is the main goal. Um, and Disney is one of the few companies that you can gain that easily from doing one contract, whether it be a holiday three month stint or a sub stint or a full-time situation. And there's only, um, there used to be a, a number of I'd say three shows on Disney property that were equity. Um, so that would be a way to get that equity card. Then for me, that was always the stepping stone to New York and Broadway and auditioning. Um, Cause you can audition at that point for anything and everything um, with your equity card. So it was very, that was always my goal. And like save time. Like you could skip the line. Like some of these, oh, like, yeah. I've gone to some auditions in New York and um, I mean, I was waiting there for, all day like it'd be an eight hour thing and some like maybe I'd even make it in and I'm like man if I have my equity card like this I could just write in and like it's like a fast pass almost it's it's a fast pass. it's so night and day the way they treat you too with your equity or non-equity I mean Disney but oh in in New York I mean some people if there's an 8 a.m or 10 a.m audition these women who are non-equity will be waiting in line at 5 a.m Correct. Um, to maybe sign up mm-hmm. and usually they don't get seen. So this is a guarantee you get seen and yeah. So advice for anyone wanting to professionally work in the dance industry, yes. go for your equity card. Get your equity card, whether it be via point system, working like smaller shows along the way and then earning enough points to get your equity card or shoot for Disney. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, and then, so you finally got your jobs at Disney. 
Yes. And um, all this time you were going to school for your bachelor's degree at UCF online. So you, you finished your degree, um, but you did it all online. So you were able to still work uh, while you were um, getting that degree from the University of Central Florida. Whoop, whoop. That's, that's my, uh, my old <laughs> do um, for my first degree. Uh, your dreams came true in 2013. <laughs> I remember when you called me. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, I, I think I was in the studio. I think, I think you, you probably ran were. into my class. You ran into my class and like stopped <laughs> my class and was just screaming. I remember this. Um, you received your first call um, from the Radio City Rockettes um, and they yeah. offered you a position in their touring company at that time. Um, the Rockettes used to have touring company. They don't have it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you spent a lot of time in Nashville, Tennessee, um, mm-hmm. doing your first uh, tastings of Rockette and being a Rockette and what is that like and learning that Christmas spectacular show. Um, so then um, you've been doing that ever since the Rockette kind of prioritized like your job and like that's kind of what you did every year um, since 2013 I believe so you've been doing it a long time actually just two little year gaps off because I did close a touring show and then after that went back to well went to New York yes yes um but then um this year things have come to a halt for you completely so I don't know if anyone of my listeners know but we're in 2020 and <laughs> there is a pandemic I'm sure everyone you know everyone is feeling the effects of this um in any capacity um small to large um and when it comes to your job as a rocket, Sophia, like this is a major impact um, to oh, yeah. your work um, because right now there is no Christmas spectacular for scheduled for 2020. Normally you'd be doing shows right now. Oh, yeah. um, you would be in actually in the thick of your, your season. Um, yeah. So that's why, you know, I wanted to bring you on here today. You've graced so many other stages and things like that and so many more to come. Like, I mean, you still have a long career ahead of you um, just based on your talent and just who you are as a, as a human being. Like it's gonna, you still have lots more ahead of you. Um, and I know your favorite stage though is the kitchen. Um, <laughs> your loft apartment that you're sitting in right now um, with your new husband, Thomas. Um yeah. I love dancing in my kitchen too. It's my favorite thing. Um, and like I said, you guys just got married um, in, in October of 2020. So you've done all this in the midst of a pandemic. So, I mean, you're one of the most resilient people that I know. So I wanted to talk to you about what, like, what is it like to normally be a gigging dancer or entertainer? Like normally this would be a very busy season for you. Um, but you're in, in New York City, living and, and working in New York City. What is that like right now where you're at? How, how's the city, how are, how are you, what is going on in the entertainment industry in New York City right now? Absolutely nothing, um, which is very difficult as an entertainment entertainer, um, which like going in, we had gotten married in October. We came back following that. And like, we knew that obviously the city wouldn't be what it was, um, but, you know, open to new things. Um, and it, it's very, it's just being an entertainer and around a people person and performing. It's very difficult to go from like that to nothing at all. And I'm a Orange Theory fitness coach. And so 
I can still interact with people, but in New York, you can't lead a class, a fitness class. So I'm really just like there to tell people when to switch to the next station. So um, it's basically what you feel after the season, after going through a rocket season, um, which is kind of like withdrawals, but during the season, which is like a lot more intense. So it's almost like doubles down on that withdrawal, right? Like, cause you're like, oh, this is what I normally feel after the season, but now I'm feeling it. I'm also having like major FOMO on top yes. of it. Oh yeah. And it's, it's oh, yeah. it hurts. I'm sure it's like really, it can be sad. Oh right? yes. Yes. Because that's what, that's, you just, that's what you're meant to do. And, um, and the city just, there's, there's nothing going on. Like you go past Times Square and everything is closed. Um, some theaters will have like lights on, but no one is working. Um, it's just, it's, it's a dark city right now. And it's usually just like, obviously always hustle and bustle right. so it's, it's a lot oh that I'm sure is not easy um for you for all of the people that do the like your rocket sisters like they everyone's going through that um no matter where they're living right now I know you're mm-hmm. living in New York right now um but you know the rockets come from all over the globe so yep. you're experiencing this at the same time just you know all over the place it's just so the magnitude is so profound to me Oh yeah. Um, of how much this really, really, really has affected something that's an American tradition, right? Yeah. Like the Rockettes have been around for a really long time, like early 1900s is kind of yeah. when it all kind of started up. It started like any classic story, starts with a few people and then somebody gets interested in it that probably had money and they make it, they turn it into something. Um, so but with the Rockettes being such a historic element of American, like Americana, um, what, like, when was the last time Radio Christmas um, or Radio City Christmas Spectacular uh, was canceled? Because I, in my lifetime, it's happened every year. Yeah. Um, I haven't been on this earth for very long. <laughs> Sometimes it feels longer. Uh, but I, I would say, when was the last time, to your knowledge, that Radio City, like, hasn't done a Christmas show? Never. They, that, and that's why it was so big, because this show has been going on since 1933 at Radio City oh. Music Hall, and they've never, Spanish flu, stuff like, never have they closed, even when it was, um, when Radio City almost closed, like, never has there ever been a Christmas show that didn't happen. So right. this year was the year that that came to be and they they pushed a lot for it to not be the year but there was nothing in their hands that they could do I think that's the most interesting part is that the way it was taken down it was just so like certain where and and this this not just this is not just about Radio City like Christmas Spectacular it's about like any show right like I'm even thinking about the folks that work at Disney like that whole Mm -hmm. entertainment unit is gone Oh yeah. Just oh gone. yeah. They laid everyone off or reassigned people, mm-hmm. but like the, it just happened. Like it happened so quickly and it was just such a certain decision, or at least it seemed that way from, you know, the very outside eyes from somebody that lives on the West coast, um, that, you know, has just like, can, you know, get that information from friends that are participants or, you know, by what, reading the newspaper, reading the news. Um, so what it, as a current rocket, you were entering into 
what, your sixth season maybe mm-hmm. with them. Um, what is it like to not work this Christmas? Like, what are you even doing? Like, what, how does that feel? And like, um, like how, how are you handling that? Um, you know, I, I think the beginning was the hardest cause you didn't know what to expect. Um, thankfully during this like season, because there wasn't a season, I was able to get married and Thomas has been a great support with all of it. Um, but like you were, I know he's been an angel. Um, and I wouldn't have the time to do what I'm doing, right? Like be married and like have time uh, if, if it weren't for this situation that we're in. So that's a blessing in disguise. Um, but just I, being a performer, like that's where you're supposed to be. So, and I think the, maybe the fear or anxiety that comes with like the season being closed is, and with anything else in the industry, but whether it be Rockheads or Broadway, is what will it look like when things open in the future? Like, yeah. will we dance like this close to each other? Like, how will that pan yes. out? In... Can, you, can you even do the soldier section anymore? Like, I don't, I mean, for, for those that have never seen the show, one, do everything you can to see it when we're back to normal, quote unquote, like yeah. whatever that means. Um, if they can ever do this show normal again, I mean, the soldier section, they line up they're they're on each other and that's how the soldiers fall down so eloquently is that you have to literally be body to body um and you you leverage your weight that way so I like can you even do that from now I mean obviously we can't now I I, it's and like those those, that's the classic choreography from 1933 that has been the same like the wooden soldiers nativity and like what will that look like come 2021 is the pivot shall we say oh, but oh, <laughs> yeah I just I I'm I worry about like that too like uh the aftermath of everything like uh, you know hopefully everyone's healthy and we can climb out of this with minimal mm-hmm. impact um you know to our loved ones and to just the nation and the globe as, as a whole um <laughs> I wonder about how this changes things from here on out mm-hmm. um and like what 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 kind of new things will we have to create? Will we be forced to create because we can't do what we have always done? Mm-hmm. Um, and that includes choreography, like historic choreography. There's something yeah. really, really special about that. Um, and I think, you know, there's room to let some of the history go, um, but there's also stuff that is just so amazing that you just, it's hard. It's like losing a piece of time. Like yeah. it, it's really- it's so traditional. Yeah, you know, being a part of the Disney equity and in, in like main stage shows, that's kind of the big, a big deal. Like you're, you don't have to be in a costume, like a, a fur costume. Um, you know, you're not a voice character. Um, you, you are a main stage dancer. That, that's like top tier job at Disney. Um, so as that equity dancer, um, you know, with Beauty and the Beast, all of these shows are just not happening. And what I was reading, um, and you know, I'm my Facebook started blowing up with friends that are working at Disney currently that have worked in the past. Um, you know, they laid off almost all of the entertainment unit um, and or reassigned them. So like dancers that were dancing in the Lion King stage show, maybe are doing like custodial work right now. You know, I mean, a job's a job, but 
the work that goes into, I'm just thinking about the work and we were talking about the audition process earlier. It took you like eight or more times to get into something like that. And then for it just to like be out of your control and it just taken away, like, nope, no longer. Um, I mean, how, what's your thoughts on that? Like if you were working there full-time right now, I mean, I imagine you'd have similar, um, you know, feelings about things. Um, but with Disney in particular, it's kind of its own wheelhouse. How do you, like, what are your thoughts about that recent layoff, um, for our entertainment industry in Disney in Orlando? Well, it's, I think it's causing a lot of people, be Disney, Rockets, anything to consider, like reconsider, not reconsider, but to like, we're, we're so, we have so many layers as dancers. We're, we're not just a dancer. We sing on the side and we cater on the side and we do gigs and all of that. And I think that sometimes we get so, I think at least with the pandemic, we've gotten so like, I'm a dancer and then this pandemic happens and it's like, okay, if I don't have that, who else am I? So, and I think that's causing a lot of people to, to think about that. And thankfully I was, I was able to get my degree online. Like I would do quizzes in between shows. um, And I had those resources from, you know, supports, whether it be that helped me pay for college. Um, And I, I, I think a lot of people put, may have put all of their eggs in one basket when it came to, I'm going to be a dancer and I'm going to do this. So I'm going to commit my entire being to this, mm-hmm. but now, but now what? So I think it's, it's causing us to, to refocus in which, which is a hard thing to do because you're like, but this is all I wanted to do. Um, but how, how can we be creative in a space that might not be a stage? Well, so I think yeah. a lot of people are asking themselves up- that. You bring up something so interesting to me because I think it's twofold. It's like a double-edged sword that dancers live. Um, we're mm-hmm. taught in the dance studio or wherever we train, you know, like if you want to do this, you have to commit fully to this. Correct. And we're doing that at like age seven. Like that, yeah. like the commitment, you learn to commit 110% of yourself seven days a week to this art form. And how, whatever your goals are for that, you learn to commit to that mm-hmm. at a very young age. Um, so I'm wondering if it actually, if we unpack that, it, it actually goes back to those teachings. And it's like, yeah. uh, how do we change the narrative in studios or wherever training actually happens that, you know, chase your dreams, do whatever you need to do to chase your dreams, but like also keep that realistic, like, notion behind you that a pandemic could wipe you out like I I never ever thought happen though right so it's hard yeah Yeah, it's hard because at one point at some point you you can't be realistic because it's it's basically like impossible to to make a career out of this and it only takes like all of this faith and all of this like trust in this like career path that only it doesn't happen for everyone so I I understand like you put all of your efforts into that but then it's I don't know it's like at one point you need to be realistic about at the other point like you can't be well because like yes and like how do you define realistic in this context like you can't 
I mean, no one could have predicted a pandemic, but I remember like my parents always were like, make sure you have a backup plan. Cause I know the most common one is like, if you get injured as a dancer, like an injury might take you out of your career. Um, Mm -hmm. And the same goes for athletes too. Like there's always this, like, what's your plan B? What's your backup plan? Um, And And I don't know, like I'm reconsidering that after this entire thing, like maybe that was a less of an annoying question that my parents constantly asked me. Like they knew, and of course, when you're younger, you, you know, don't always listen to the people that are older than you when you should, because like they've done it. Um, And I'm trying to learn that I get older, right? Like as, um, but like, you know, it's not so bad to do lots of different things um, and still have goals. Like, I think that's something that we have to start navigating Um, And I think it, I think it goes all the way back to your teachers, like your dance teachers, your, you know, the industry itself has to adapt at this point because it it will, it's not surviving right now. It got cut. So yeah, didn't make the cut. And I think a lot of, (laughs) yeah, I think a lot of the time what people don't like use that mention, like. Uh, your parents said like what if you get injured but I think a lot of the time we don't think about like and this is realistic you are going to get older like you you're going to turn a certain age and yes people can make this a career for many many years but I mean like when when is that point that you realize like I need to start preparing and maybe that is in the way that we're training as kids but I don't know I have so many thoughts with that too, because going back to like resilient, you, you, you're always taught like push through, like you're not injured, like you're not hurt. Just keep going. You're young and you are like bawling because you're in so much pain. And then you get to be in your mid twenties or thirties and you're like, Oh, I'll push through. And you're like, no, I really actually need to. I can't listen to my body. Yeah. Yeah. that's another conversation and we will schedule that as another podcast. Another I'll episode. get another. <laughs> I'll refill. <laughs> so like, what are you doing? So you're not doing Rockettes right now. You're in New York City. Um, what you mentioned, Orange Theory. What are you doing for work right now? And how are you able to stay creative during this time where all of your creative outlets are kind of um, a void? Like they, they, they're just missing or like absent or they're just not really as accessible as they have been in the past. Correct. Um, lots of things. Uh, I'm doing things that I always pushed off and I said I'd do one day. Um, and that is like looking at my own training system or seeing how I can promote myself in another category of work to, again, stay creative, but like adapt with this weird world. Um, fitness. I mean, I love that. I can still do that because you can I call do that you anywhere. I text you. I'm like, yeah, we're what like, what are we doing today? What should I do for a workout? This sounds beautiful. Exactly. Um, And uh, Thomas and I decided to move. So we are are using this time to pack our life up and move to Florida where we can do a little bit more. You're leaving. You're leaving New York. Peacing out, which was very difficult, but I'm, I'm at a place where now I'm very excited about it. Do you think a lot of other people are making that same decision right now? Um, I do. I don't know if they're all performers. Um, it is just, uh, let's just say when we, when I moved here and drove a U-Haul, my family did, I didn't, <laughs> drove a U-Haul up, it was $500. <laughs> Margaret and Peter, thank you so much. 
um, to now leave due to COVID and everyone moving from the city, it is minimum $3,000. So I, a a lot of people are moving. I don't know what it's going to look like. Everything is shut down and I mean, boarded up. I don't know what it's going to look like coming back. Um, Yeah. So I don't, I don't, I thought we would, you know, be along for the journey to find out, but it's, it's not worth it. So just right now it's probably you, for you two, it's just best to go back to Florida for now until something else happens up here. Yeah. And what's great, like you were saying, uh, uh, us Rockettes come from all over the world. So we could just sublet for three months with our friends. Right. Um, so that's really accessible and, and good for us. But it's just everything. And we don't we don't know when it's going to open back up. So, yeah, I hope we get some answers soon. I really, really Me too, girl. Well, do you think that working dancers can survive this? Like, what are what's your advice for dancers that are used to working, you know, contract to contract, uh, that's how they make their living. Like, what are your, what would you say? I mean, cause you're kind of having to go through the motions of it. Yeah. Um, and, and do you think that how much longer can dancers keep doing this? I'll go back to the realistic and unrealistic thing. I okay. think now being realistic about like just the state of the world. Um, I, I think, and it's a harsh truth, but I think the people who were professional dancers, like Broadway dancers, and who were in that realm before that haven't decided to exit the um, profession, will continue to dance following this. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, I also think people who are super dedicated and like will do anything for dance and put life on hold will succeed. Yeah. Um, I think those that are talented that maybe they've they've done their fill and it was good and now they're going to choose something else will will not but i i, I think people are going to have to start back at ground zero Ugh, which is so, the hardest thing you can say to a dancer <laughs> like, yes. what do you mean yes, yes exactly and i mean I, again if you have those relationships built that were there before this and that continue then awesome but yeah i just I just, and what was the second question? What was the second question, Lindsay? Just if you had any advice for dancers on how to kind of survive through this, or if you're making that pivot where you might want to explore other things, like what is your advice for somebody like who's, because I mean, that lifestyle is so busy and to just come down to a halt is really, really jolting. So what's your advice to kind of navigate through that? Okay. I think that it is, a good time for all of us dancers and maybe I'm just speaking for everyone but it's the line um <laughs> that like it's it's finally time for like us to like hear our own voices and Ooh. hear others people's like opinions and like just observe and like ask yourself how does that feel because again we've been trained like conditioned all of our lives to like not feel anything and do what the director says and keep your mouth shut so you have a job and I think like it's it's allowing us to realize like what do we want in this life is it this still if if it's not then great and maybe move on um or maybe outlet to something like choreography based or fitness related or art related but yeah this is like when one other time will you have this to like 
talk to yourself about it because it's I like life altering. I love that to like hear your own voice. Like it, yeah. I feel like, what do you want? Uh, I feel like we don't do that enough or we have, we haven't been conditioned to do that enough. Um, especially Correct. dancers, especially working dancers. Um, so I love that. I'm going to steal that from you, Sophia. Um, okay. Be loud. Thank you so much for joining me today. This was thank you, Lindsay. Amazing. I love that we can connect coast to coast. Um, that is coast the silver, that's the silver lining in all of this. Is that you know normally I would do in person interviews, but that's very limiting. I can't I can't do that with you right now. Um, so again, open door, oh, new opportunity. Exactly. There's new opportunities right there, um, and you just have to kind of you know open your eyes to that and ask yourself listen to your own voice um, and oh ask yourself, like, what do you want? Um, and then just make that happen on your terms. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, I love that. So and I just need to say real quick oh, yeah. that you're doing, look at you, like, look at this, like you've been wanting to do this for years and like, you finally sure. are doing it and this is great. And like, maybe it's going to help other people along I the hope. way. I hope and they're going to come back. There's going to be new photo behind you every week. It's going to be amazing. Or every time you post. Yeah. It's going to be great. Every, every episode, there's going to be something new back there. So you got uh, viewers and listeners, um, there's, I have a little picture behind me and, uh, there's going to be a new picture there every time I do an episode. So <laughs> if anything, you'll keep coming back just for that, just, um, for that. just for that. Uh, thank you again for joining me. Um, this was a lovely conversation. Loved it. Um, if you want to follow Sophia Burke, um, on her social accounts. Um, she's on Instagram. She's on Facebook. Um, do you do Twitter or you're not a Twitterer? No, I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to screen. I'm not into it either. Um, and you have a a YouTube channel as well, I believe. Yeah. Dance fitness stuff on there. Yeah. Um, her account name to search for her is the one Sophia Michelle, and I will put it below in my comments. Um, and you can um, subscribe to all things Dance Uncorked. Thank you for joining me um, on this first episode. If you want to follow Dance Uncorked, you can find me on Instagram, Facebook. I have a new website, um, danceuncorkedpodcast.com. Um, and I will be posting these videos on a YouTube channel, Dance Uncorked Podcast. So I've got lots of different outlets for you. Um, you can join me on Spotify. You can join me on iTunes and I'm looking into other platforms as well. So make sure you subscribe and like and do all of those social media things to make sure you stay up to date with upcoming episodes. Thank you, Sophia. I loved having you. I love seeing you. Um, you know, it. it's been really quite a pleasure and an honor to be a part of your life for so long. Sophia was my student at one point. Um, so it's been, um, surreal for me to see the success that you've encountered along the way and that you will encounter in the future. Um, so much more ahead of you. And I'm just really proud of you. And I loved, um, everything you said, and I can't wait to see what you keep doing. Good luck with your move back to Florida. Um, moving, moving that far away. Um, and then moving back and just like moving in general is really stressful. So I hope that you guys stay safe and, um, you know, I can't wait till the next episode with you. It's going to be great. And like, I just want to throw out that I wouldn't be where I am without you in my life and Uh, you taught me how to dance and you've changed my life for the better. So thank you. This is 
amazing and all full circle. And full circle. Win-win, baby. I love you. Win-win, honey. Cheers. Cheers. Have a good rest of your uh, day. And um, thanks for tuning in to Dance Uncorked Podcast. See you next time. Cheers, babies. Bye. Bye.